Good morning and welcome to our pre-recorded service here at Church of the Palms on Sunday, January 24th. We're glad that you can join us. We encourage you to find a quiet place to worship and we also encourage you to light a candle that will remind you of the presence of the living Christ among us. Uh, we encourage you also to look at the bulletin so you can follow the order of worship and to turn off all the distractions so you can be present with us. Let us prepare our hearts and minds for worship. It is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare your steadfast love in the morning and your faithfulness by night. For you, O Lord, have made me glad by your work. At the works of your hands, I will sing for joy. Let us worship God.
God's word sometimes comes as a warning. How often we have pushed aside the word we find unpleasant. Even if we grudgingly acknowledge its truth, we like to postpone any actions to change. God comes to us today saying that our days are fewer than we think. The time for us to repent is now. Let us join together in our prayer of confession. Sovereign God, we reluctantly confess that we have installed our own gods in our lives. They take our time. They use our resources. They exact from us care and devotion. We do not like to hear that our way of life is endangered. Yet we sometimes realize that innocent steps into self-indulgence are really deliberate strides away from you. We hear distant echoes of warning and judgment. Oh God, we want to return to you before it is too late. We repent of everything in our lives that cuts us off from you. Hear our prayer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The people of wicked Nineveh proclaimed a fast and put on the garments of repentance. They begged God to turn around what seemed so inevitable, their own destruction. God listened and they were saved. The present form of our world is passing away. God has better things in store for us than we have yet known. Our lives enlisted in God's realm can count for something good. Forgiven and forgiving people make a difference. Friends, believe the good news of the gospel. In Jesus' name, is it in Jesus Christ we are forgiven. Let us recite together the words that have unified us in our faith across the ages. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead, he ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And now we invite you to reach out to someone near or far and to send them some encouraging words through Christ our Lord. Peace be with you. Good morning and welcome again to this pre-recorded service from Church of the Palms in Sarasota, Florida. We're so glad you're here with us. 
a couple of announcements for you today, some exciting things coming up in the not too distant future. First, mark your calendars, we're having a Valentine's Day party, a Valentine's Day drive-through on uh, Valentine's Day on the 14th of February, for those of you who've forgotten when that is, from 3 to 4.30 in the afternoon, and there's going to be live music, you'll get a free devotional for Lent, warm greetings from the whole staff, special treats for you and your furry friends, and so much more. More information about that will follow, but we really uh, hope to see you, and again, it's a drive-through event, so you'll be able to come out and safely um, say hello. In addition, uh, starting this Wednesday, or continuing this Wednesday rather, Pastor Steve continues his exploration of 20th century saints. This week they're talking about Dietrich Bonhoeffer. That's at 6.30 p.m. on Wednesdays, and you can find more information about that Wednesday nightlife class on our website, and you can register there. Another Zoom opportunity coming up in February is with our Race and the Church group. Their book discussion continues with a look at Isabel Wilkerson's book, which is called Cast. Um, Pastor Lori has shared that it is a really transformational book for her, and we hope that you'll consider reading that and joining them. That is on February 15th. Uh, at 6 p.m., and again, you can register via the website. In addition to discussing the book, they'll welcome a special uh, speaker to that call, uh, Harold Young, who's a member of our sister congregation, Light of the World, in Sarasota. In addition, on the 17th, it's Ash Wednesday, and we will observe that by worshiping here at 6.30 p.m. You do need to register to do that, and you can enjoy it either here in person or via live stream. This is an opportunity for you to begin your 40-day Lenten journey as we receive a sign of the cross through the imposition of ashes in a creative and safe way. At this service, we have the opportunity to intentionally enter into the desert together, drawing closer to God and leaning into the hope and peace that passes all understanding. Registration for this service will be available on the website beginning on Monday, February 1st. Next, and finally, annual reports are available. So they'll be available uh, on our campus and the office if you're in the area, and available also through our website. And it's just beautiful. Jackie really outdid herself, and it's a wonderful look back at the year we just had together and a look at the year uh, ahead. Um, and on the 31st, we will have our annual meeting. It's always important to come out for that. It's such a wonderful opportunity, again, to look at the year we have had together and to look forward to the future year ahead. Um, this year is particularly important because we need to get to what's called a quorum. We need a certain number of people in order uh, for it to meet the um, obligations and the responsibilities we have within the presbytery. It's really awesome because part of being Presbyterian means that we all get to vote. We all need to participate in making decisions about our church. So we hope you'll come out for that. There's a number of ways you can join. It's at 9.30 p.m. about the annual meeting will start. So you can either come out and worship at 9 a.m. It's the only service that day. You register, you come out and uh, worship with us, and then the annual meeting will start right at the end of our worship service in person. You can also join us that morning via live stream. And then at the conclusion of the worship service, go ahead and sign into the Zoom meeting, which is the third way you can join us. You can call into the Zoom meeting as early as 9 a.m. 9 a.m. to make sure that you're there for the annual meeting. We again will reflect on the journey to joy that we had last year, which ended up being a challenging, creative, surprising, abundant, resilient, and generous journey to joy. We elect our elders and our deacons and nominating com committee members, and we vote on the terms of call for our pastors. We also review financial results for the church and foundation through 2020, and hear a report on the church operating budget for 2021. Again, in, attendance in one way or another is very important, so whether you join us via Zoom, in person, uh, or if you watch the live stream and then dial into Zoom, we look forward to seeing you there.
Let us continue our worship. you pray with me? O oh God, our refuge and strength, we come before you as a weary people who have been on an arduous journey for what feels like a long time. We feel the stress, O oh Lord, of a virus that is still impacting people's lives. We feel the stress of uncertainty with new strains of the virus popping up. We lift up today especially the men and women in extended care centers who may feel particularly isolated and vulnerable. We continue to pray for the healthcare providers and all of the frontline workers. We ask for your strength and courage to be given to all people who have been personally affected by this virus. Give us all comfort and a strong sense of your presence to calm our anxious hearts, O God. We are weary, O Lord, from all of the fighting and conflict between political parties, between races, and between family members. Teach us kindness, gentleness, and generosity. Help us to be forgiving, loving, and caring. Teach us, O Lord, to follow in your humble footsteps. Guide us to the place you want us to be. Mold us and shape us into your likeness, gracious God. We are weary, O God, from all of the suffering that people experience from cancer, 
homelessness, abuse, addiction, and hunger. We hurt for those who are grieving the loss of their loved ones. We ache for those who feel isolated and left out and for those who feel less than others. Give them comfort, give them peace. We pray for all the men and women who are serving as missionaries and for those who are serving in our military. Be a constant presence, Lord, in their lives and in the lives of their families. O oh God, our refuge and our strength, be present with us as we face an unknown future and as we walk paths untrodden. In the ever-changing and uncertain world where we find ourselves, help us to know and be assured that you are sovereign, that you are all-knowing, all-powerful, and ever-present. We know you are a good God who holds us in our anxiety and distress and who has a plan for our future. Calm our hearts and minds and give us hope in you, our only certain hope. We pray all this in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Well, as we take a moment for gratitude, let us remember in our hearts all of our many blessings that come to us from a good and gracious God. We are each invited to give back just a portion of what God has first given us. There are several ways to give, of course, electronically, through our website, as well as in person or through the mail. We are grateful for your generosity and for your partnership in the good ministry that we are able to do together as we seek to love God and love neighbor. With grateful hearts, let us generously give.
let us pray. Lord God, we make our offerings with a hope that all we do and what we offer will take root where you desire. Let your gifts and our love for you be the source of expressions where you lead us through your love, through your justice, through your character, into your mission, under your reign. May all this be because we love you and we want to serve you with all of our hearts. We pray this in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. Good morning again. It's Miss Sarah here. I talked to Miss Carol this morning. There's lots of fun things happening in our children's ministry. For those of our um, young friends who are not coming back to church yet, I need to tell you that Miss Carol has a whole crate full of hedgehogs upstairs, and they're ready for adoption. So if you would like to adopt a hedgehog who you can read your Bible to, then you can contact Miss Carol, and we'll send you one in the mail. We want to make sure that you get to be a part of this special thing that's happening, whether you're coming here on Sunday mornings or you're watching us from home. So again, you can reach out to Miss Carol and get your own hedgehog. Uh, and then for our youth, for our kids that are a little bit older, should know that both um, Star Wars, uh, we're doing a lock-in. We're going to watch all nine Star Wars movies, which was kind of crazy, but uh, we will be doing that together. And that's now um, available to sign up for. And Montreat for this coming summer, we are hopefully in hope planning that we'll be able to take that trip. So... For our children's moment today, we're going to talk again about kindness because we've been talking about kindness, right, over the last couple of weeks. And last week, we talked about how one small thing can spread and spread and spread until every person in the whole world has been touched by one little tiny act of kindness. Well, today, I want to talk to you about how sometimes being kind means doing nothing at all. Sometimes kindness looks like listening and caring. Sometimes it looks like feeling sad when someone else feels sad. There's a word called compassion, and it actually means to suffer with another. But instead of saying suffer, we could say to have compassion means to feel sad when someone else feels sad. And it's an amazing thing because when someone feels compassion for someone else, when someone feels sad because they've noticed someone else is sad, it makes the sad person feel less alone. And we know that it's very, very important to God, of course, that we love one another. And this is a really powerful way to love one another well. This is from a letter in the Bible called Galatians. Listen to this, it says, Carry each other's burdens, and in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. So when we care about each other's feelings, when we're brave enough to feel what someone else is feeling, we're living the way Jesus would want us to live. So I was looking for a great example of this. I was looking on the internet for this kind of kindness, this kind of compassion that's such great kindness, and I found this video, and I think it helps us understand what I'm talking about. So how about that? Aren't dogs the best? So the next time you see someone who is sad, know that when you feel sad with them, you're being kind. You are making them feel less alone. And it makes God happy. Because we know that when we're sad, he's sad too. Let us pray. Loving God, you are so big and powerful, and we know your love for us goes on forever and ever. Help us to be brave and to have compassionate hearts, so that through us, other people might know a little bit more about your love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Well, today we continue at our look at the fruit of kindness. Last week we considered a couple of stories from the New Testament, Jesus' encounter with the demoniac and Jesus' great parable of the Good Samaritan, and through them reflected and pondered about the risk of kindness. So with these stories in the back of our minds, we now turn to these three short verses in the book of Job. Job, the biblical character who epitomizes suffering and doubt and lament. And today we get to wonder about the kindness of time. The kindness of time. So to that end, Job chapter 2, verses 11 through 13. Hear the word of God. Now when Job's three friends heard of all these troubles that had come upon him, each of them set out from his home, Eliphaz the Temanite, Bildad the Shuhite, and Zophar the Namathite. They met together to go and console and comfort him. When they saw him from a distance, they did not recognize him, and they raised their voices and wept aloud. They tore their robes and threw dust in the air upon their heads. They sat with him on the ground seven days and seven nights, and no one spoke a word to him, for they saw that his suffering was great. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. By your grace and through your mercy, we pray, O Lord, that you will allow these words to come to point to the word just read and to the word made flesh in Jesus the Christ, where we pray this in his name. Amen. A year or so, a week or so ago, a friend of mine passed along an article in the New York Times about a 74-year-old guy named Frank Miller over in Texas who had a hankering to have a catch. He'd been walking around the house, gripping and tossing a baseball, remembering his days of high school and college when he was a pitcher and thinking about how nice it would be just to go out and have a catch again. So his wife posted on the neighborhood app next door that her husband was looking to have a catch and would anyone want to join him? Pretty soon people responded. A mother volunteered her son. Middle-aged men said yes. Old guys like Frank jumped at the chance. Frank's wife then posted a time and a place, not sure that anyone would really show up, but show up they did. About a dozen altogether of every age and ilk, including four from the North Dallas High School baseball team. She hadn't, she hadn't thrown, some hadn't thrown a baseball for 35 years, others revealed their rusty catching, and others sometimes short hopped their throws. But there they were, finding time for a catch. Getting to know each other, their neighbors, old men talking to young men about their backgrounds, some even exchanging contacts for future employment opportunities. All of it happening while up in Washington they were trying to sort out an attack upon the Capitol. I just think people want to reconnect these days, said Frank, perhaps the great understatement of the year. Frank Miller and his impromptu time of catch brings to mind the ending of one of my favorite movies, Field of Dreams, where the baseball enthusiast Ray Kinsella builds himself a baseball field that turns out to be where all the late great baseball players of early baseball history return for the chance to play again. Smokey Joe Wood, Mel Ott, Gil Hodges, Sheila Show Jackson, and dozens and dozens of others. But, But what Ray doesn't understand is that subconsciously the one he most wants to come back is his father, the one with whom he shared most the love of baseball. But he and his father had had a falling out and had not taken the time to sort it out before his father had passed. So at the end, on the field of dreams, his father finally returns, and the only thing Ray can think to ask is, Dad, do you want to have a catch? Asking to have a catch is, I suppose, the same thing as asking just to have some time. 
I remember the hours I spent playing catch with my fathers and brothers, and there really wasn't any point to it except that it gave you a good excuse to spend some time. Asking for a catch is the same, I suppose, as asking to have a cup of coffee or asking to have a walk or asking to have a visit. It's all in the effort to find some time. Some of us remember the old classic Harry Chapin song, Cats in the Cradle, about the boy and his father, and the father's a busy guy, lots of work, lots of things going on, doesn't seem to have the time the boy wants, and Chapin hauntingly sings the chorus, and the cats in the cradle and the silver spoon, little boy blue and the man in the moon, when you coming home, Dad, I don't know when, but we'll get together then, you know we'll have a good time then. But the time never turns out to be good for dear old dad. It's an interesting question we get asked when someone needs our attention. They ask, is this a good time? Sometimes it is and sometimes it isn't. Sometimes we got other things to do and sometimes it's just a lucky moment when they ask and we actually have nothing else better to do. Is, Is this a good time? It may have been the question the beaten man was asking on the side of the road. Last week we wondered about the Good Samaritan and his willingness to to part his uh, with his trip and to begin to attend to that poor guy in the ditch. Is this a good time, the beaten man asks silently? Well, no, actually, actually I've got a 10, an 11, and a 12, and lunch plans after that. Is this a good time? Princeton Theological Seminary, where I went to school nine years before I got there, was the scene of a very interesting experiment. And the experiment was conducted by two professors at Princeton University, John Darley and Daniel Batson, and the experiment went this way. Several students from Princeton Seminary were selected and asked to give a speech over at Princeton University. The two institutions are a block apart from each other. And one half of the group was asked to speak on why they chose to study theology. The other half were asked to speak on the parable of the Good Samaritan. All the students were required to walk individually and at different times a few blocks over to the place where they were to deliver their speech. Now along the path, the researchers planted an actor who was to feign acute illness, coughing, slumped over, groaning. The question then was, who would stop to help the critically ill man? Would would the people who had just prepared a speech on the Good Samaritan, would they be more likely to stop more than the others who were talking about theology? Now, the only other variable built into the experiment was that one half of both groups of students, before they left, were all of a sudden told that they were late for their speech, that they had no time to spare, and the other half were told that they had all the time in the world to get there. Well, the results of the whole study were alarming. It turned out that the content of the students' speeches had very little to do with whether they stopped for the man who was sick on the side of the road. It didn't matter what they were speaking about. Even the Good Samaritan story had zero influence. What mattered was whether or not they thought they had the time. 60% of those who had more than enough time helped the critically ill man, while only 10% of the students who were in a hurry stopped. Is this a good time? We are so vulnerable, are we not, to our own schedules? So when the prophet says that one of the things that the Lord requires of us is to love kindness, don't you wonder if one of the ways of falling in love with kindness is falling out of obsessive love of ourselves. Now hear me when I say this, that Jesus has no interest in you, you're not loving yourself. Jesus has no interest in convincing you not to take care of yourself, not to be kind to yourself. Jesus says we are to love God and as much as we love, neighbor, love ourselves. But sometimes we can love ourselves all the way to the point that we think that the time given to us is actually ours. 
That when somebody asks, is, is this a good time, that we actually think they're asking us to check our schedules when, when maybe sometimes what they're asking is not, is this a good time for you, but instead, can you make this a good time for me? Falling in love with kindness is this journey of reorienting oneself to wonder if the purpose of my life is less about me and more about this person or these people who may need a little of my time. Because one of the greatest ways for us to show our love for kindness is through the generosity of our time. Which turns me to these three short verses in the book of Job. Most of us know the story of Job, this great Old Testament story grappling with the issues of the meaning of suffering and the cause of suffering. Job loses just about everything, his house, his family, his health. He's covered with sores and his dear wife wonders if he would just be better off ending his life. And when word gets out to the neighboring towns, it's Job's three friends who meet and make their way to where Job sits and suffers. And they lament with their friend, and they weep with their friend, and they tear their robes for their friend, and they throw dust on their heads for their friend. And then scripture says this, they sat with Job on the ground seven days and seven nights, and no one spoke a word to him, for they saw that his suffering was great. For seven days and seven nights, all that Job's friends gave him was their time. Later, they decide to give their opinions, and that's when things go off the rails, but for the first seven days and seven nights, all they give Job is their time. Time is the currency of kindness. And if there's anyone who needs to hear this sermon, it's me. The pot is calling the kettle black here. If there's anyone who's overly obsessed with my time, it's me cramming my schedule, no room for margin, rushing on to the next thing like the priest and the Levite walking past that beaten man and wondering if I really have the time for the unexpected need, the unexpected request, the unexpected query, is this a good time? Oh, I know it's complicated and I know it's not simple and that often there are important things that we have to choose between. And I also know that to fall in love with kindness, I need first to fall out of obsession with me. Don Wardlaw, once a professor preaching at McCormick Seminary, tells the story of going to his father's funeral. His father was a Presbyterian minister, so at his funeral there were lots of folks who came to tell him of what his father's ministry had meant to them. And one of them was the custodian who had once worked for his father at this church. The man had moved away but had returned for the funeral, and he came to Don and said, you know, your dad was very important and special to me. Oh, I know, Leon, Don said, you were very important to him too. No, 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 you don't understand, said Leon. I wouldn't be here today if it weren't for your dad. I wouldn't have made it through that horrible night. What horrible night, Don asked. During that time when your father was the pastor of this church, he and I worked together. Well, you probably don't remember this because you were such a young boy, but my wife died suddenly. She was only 34 years old, hanging clothes out on the line and had a massive heart attack and likely died before she hit the ground. We had four small kids, and I'll never forget that day. I was just devastated, emotionally drained, so that when I got home, I just fell across the bed. And I remember lying in that bed, it had gotten dark, and I looked up finally at one point, and I could see your dad had come into the room and was sitting in the rocking chair, just rocking back and forth. He didn't say a word, he just sat there rocking all night long. I'd wake up, reach over to where my wife usually would be, and I'd feel that emptiness and pain would shoot through me like a thousand arrows. And I wondered how in the world was I gonna go on? And then out of the corner of my eye, I would see him rocking. I would just see your dad rocking back and forth. And it was that rocking 
that helped to get me through the night. Time is the currency of kindness. And don't you wonder if there is no other currency this old hurting world needs more than the currency of time, time to sit, time to talk, time for a catch, time for a coffee, time for a friendship to form, time to understand someone with whom we vehemently disagree, time to walk in somebody else's shoes. If kindness is going to make any difference, it will be through our time. Attention, wrote Simone Weil, attention is the rarest and purest form of generosity. Do you remember, do you remember Derek Black, the young white nationalist and unashamed leader, an heir apparent of the white nationalist movement, a movement that advocates for the separation of the races and, and has suspicion of every culture other than white European descent, an anti-Semitic force that denies the Holocaust. Derek Black, you may recall, enrolled up at New College just up the street as a first-year student several years ago and for a short time remained undercover but then he got outed and you can imagine the response of his fellow students and others shaming, name-calling, threats. He feared for his life and many thought that that was a good thing. But then one Matthew Stevenson, a fellow student and Jew who in the midst of the shaming and the name-calling and the threats invited Derek to join him in his room for Shabbat dinner. Matthew had made it his practice to host a Shabbat dinner in his room each week and to invite friends. And so when hearing of Derek's outing, Matthew kindly invited the enemy to spend some time at dinner, to have dinner just together and not a debate and not an inquisition and not a trial of ideas, just dinner and time together. Derek accepted and attended the first week got invited back the second week, got invited back the third week, and all the weeks after that for two years, the two men were together talking every Friday night, not about the elephant in the room, the profound hatred each had for the, other, the other's identity and perspective, but over the generosity of time, the two formed a deep friendship, and then came the cognitive dissonance, then came the question, how can I hate someone I love? And soon afterward, Derek renounced his membership in the white supremacy movement, and the two young men have been around the nation speaking together about their story. Time is the currency of kindness. Don't you wonder with all the silliness that's going on and the vitriol that's going on and the virus that's going around and the division that's pulling us apart, don't you wonder if to some degree or another we're all on the side of the road, covered with wounds. Don't you wonder if we're all in the need for someone to listen? If we're all asking the same question of each other, is this a good time? And they sat with Job on the ground, seven days and seven nights. And no one spoke a word to him, for they saw that his suffering was great. Attention is the rarest and purest form of generosity.
And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with you now and forevermore. Amen.